This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Here's Hartman in and scores! And Ryan Hartman has Minnesota in front. Fiala scores! Kevin Fiala had about three whacks at the rebounds. 2-0 Minnesota. A centering pass. Felino scores! And Minnesota scores just as the power play expires to extend the lead to 3-1. to one. A solid effort by the Minnesota Wild. You sing it, Dex. You sing it. We took our knocks in the penalty box. Ryan Hartman is the MVP. Oh, you like that one? That was good. That was very good. All right. No Mackie for part one. So we have Action Movie Rewind coming up, which we, uh, full disclosure, recorded, pre-recorded on Thursday because Phil is not here today. So he will be on that. It is Beverly Hills Cop 2. We had a lot of thoughts about said film. But Mackie is away, and so the hockey boys will play. That's right. Um. I'd like to start playing by talking about the Wilds' opponent last night. Okay, yeah, very, very uh, worthy opponent. <laughs> do you remember of our when serious rallies? Do you remember when I um when we, I think we were doing a preseason Judd's hockey show, uh-huh. and I told you that the Wild was very blessed to have been put in the yeah. West Division, yeah, because the California teams were bad and or terrible. Yes, and I told you at the time, you know, I'm not really sure here, like uh, Kings, Sharks, Ducks. Is one of them going to be improved a lot? Like, I don't know for sure. I just know that they were bad and all missed the uh, return to play because they weren't included in the bubble. Um, I think it's fair to rank them now. Okay, the Kings... All of the three county teams. Yes. I think the Kings (laughs) are the best of the worst. Yeah. Like, I think the Kings aren't... Uh, I think they're coming back. Like, like they've got some young talent. I agree. Okay. Uh, okay. Byfield is going to be next to come up, I think. So I think the Kings have some building blocks that are with that are with them right now. Um, so I sort of like the Kings. I don't love them by any means. I like okay? that Kempke kid. The, uh, yeah, the exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, Lazat. Yep, they're fine. The Sharks, they're long in the tooth, but they've still got some players. They are not good. No. But I think they're second on my list. They're, they're more talented. They have okay, more that's talent. fair. They have more talent, I, I think, than either team. Either the three teams, but yes, I don't know if that makes them the best. And they're older, and yeah. and some of that that talent, i.e., Eric Carlson and Brett Burns, are probably dropping off somewhat. Sure. Um, <laughs> that leaves us with the Anaheim Ducks. Oh boy! Now Trevor Zegras is not with the team yet. I believe he's playing in the American Hockey League. He was an absolute stud in World mm-hmm. Juniors, 
and he's going to be good. So they do have some players coming along. I don't know when. I don't know why they're not here now. It makes no sense to me. Sure. Uh, but this current product that the Ducks are fielding, um, let me say this. If you're a Ducks fan, the best thing to happen is you can't go to games. That was – and I'm not sure what your observation – because I did get one tweet last night saying, what are you talking about? But just one. Um, my observation of last night's game was – I almost fell asleep. Yeah. Oh, I, I did all, I did too. Didn't help I was a couple Corona Hard Seltzers I, in too. I yeah. was three beers in <laughs> and I but, but I mean I didn't fall asleep, but I almost did. Sure. Um again, thank God for the Ducks. Because I don't think that the Wild played a very good game. I also don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. So point one, the Ducks are a savior, and you play them again tomorrow. And if you don't get two points, you've done something very wrong. Correct. Yeah, no, the Ducks are bad. They they are the worst of the California teams. We can go back and rank them and say who's better, who's worse, but it's pretty obvious that the Ducks are are indeed the worst team. John Gibson's still a good goalie. John you know? Gibson is. He's he like, didn't have a great night last night. No. I thought a couple of those goals were a bit suspect. But, yes, he, he is why they're not absolutely god-awful. They're he'll, just awful. He'll steal them a couple games this year. Can I ask a question? And I'd like you to rule on this for me. No problem. Um, and, and I know that because you don't get Fox Sports North, you don't watch a lot of the local no, telecast now. Uh, and I have takes to bring from the Ducks broadcast, oh, okay, good. too, by the way. Then we can start those right now. Okay. But I would like to ask you a question about how I should approach something. Okay. So I'm coming to my sports son to ask him this. Okay, yeah, ready. Um, because I know that COVID is a big deal. Like, people get it and get super sick. So mm-hmm. it's not like, ah, oh, man, it's just a cold. Yep. Um, but how long, what's the moratorium on using the break and the fact that the Wild didn't play for 12 or 13 days as a reason for why they don't look good? Because um, we're two games now, and Tuesday I totally got. Last night I'm starting to be like, okay, but a lot of guys have been back now for a couple games. But I, I still sort of get it. But in fairness, what should my, where should the line in the sand be as far as I just no longer need to hear this? Like in a pie chart of blame of, of, for COVID and against like COVID? when should I get a no? When should I get annoyed that the oh, Wild's long break okay. is used almost every time something goes wrong or or there's a bad pass? Like at what point? Like is is Saturday's game it? After that, should I should we be past the because lots of teams had breaks? Yeah, and I believe the Devils since returning from their break are two and zero. So I just want to know what you think is a fair point for me to have my trigger tripped where I can go off and say enough of this. I think by the end of Saturday's game, you'll hopefully stop hearing about it because by then, I mean, everyone's off the list, right? Like everyone now is completely off the list. They're now the, the remaining players are flying privately. They to, put Hammond to on Cali. it, but he's the third goalie. So it doesn't matter. Um, or fourth goalie. So it doesn't matter. I, I think Talbot might end up starting on Saturday still. Okay. Um, so I think by the end of Saturday, you should probably stop hearing about the COVID situation. Okay. Uh, because at that point, everyone should be back. And look, guys like, you know, Dakota Mermis are playing admirable roles, and that's great. And he had a good game, but forgot. No, I want the full team back at full strength. Okay. Like K- Kalen Addison. Kalen Another, Addison can still play, right? He can still play. I would rather, if any one of all these subs that had to come in because of the COVID situation, I would like to see Addison remain in the lineup. Um, but Agreed. Dakota Mermis, you can come out. You know, Louis Belpio got reassigned. All these other guys got reassigned. Those guys didn't play. No, they didn't. They're not NHL players. They're like, Belpedio and who? who was that? Barkowski. Barkowski. Didn't play well. Just miserable. Mer- 
Mermis actually didn't look terrible. No, he didn't. He was and a, so he, he got the chance. Fine. But yeah, that, I just want to know what the what the point is where I can just start to melt down about the fact that I'm just tired of hearing that there was a break because a lot of teams have had to deal with this. Yeah, no, I, I think this by, isn't a wild thing. I don't think you'll hear any more of it after Saturday. So you'll probably hear a little bit of it on Saturday, and that'll be the end of it. Fair enough. I think that'll be it, and then you can move on. All right. Your takes from the Ducks telecast. Well, number one, they have an amazing setup just like we do here at the TCL Broadcast Studios. Um, they have the TCL bar in Anaheim right in the Honda Center. I, I saw they built tweet. a bar. It's got tweet. TCL logos I love this right in front of draft beers. I mean, you, Judd, you could have, if, if you were doing the show, you could just reach right back while you're talking, you know, who's on the half wall on the power play and pour yourself a nice beverage. You could absolutely do that. Um, I enjoy Declan it. Goff would. I would too. Corona hard seltzer I would be for reaching back. I say, hey, let me just grab one of these seltzers here. I would love a tap seltzer someday. I would love to ha- experience that. I haven't experienced that before. But I, but a, a, a nice cold can? Absolutely have a Corona hard seltzer I'll take. Um, yes, I try to watch the opposing broadcast as much as possible due to the fact that I don't have Fox Sports North. <laughs> yeah, it's no great. It's not like you're trying to it's sample. Not a secret. No, you just don't have Fox Sports North. I don't North. have Fox Sports North. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use other <laughs> means. Bill Mackey and I have a certain set of We'd, skills. Which we will not divulge um, Liam Neeson that we that we watch our hockey and basketball games on because we don't have Fox Sports North right now. So um, I I enjoyed the broadcast. They they cited good things. They even I love too how they even it, it's amazing listening to a broadcast. It isn't complete homers. You know the duck the ducks broadcast. They they weren't afraid to rip them. They weren't also afraid when there was. A, I, I really liked. I enjoyed the commentary when there was a play where I believe Fiala. Where Kaprizov had a point blank shot. Someone fed him below the net. He had a point blank shot, and, and I think they, they fired it right on Gibson's chest. Like it was, like it should have been a better shot. Mm-hmm. And the commentator said, "Well, if that was more of a clean pass, and you get more of his momentum on, that's going to beat John Gibson every single time because the pass is a little off. It goes right into Gibson's gut. He makes an easy save, but in general, Gibson probably doesn't make that save. You would never hear that on the local broadcast. You would you would hear what a save, what a great great positioning, and this and that." I just enjoy hearing other perspective. Um, when I was listening to the Kings game on Tuesday, Alex Faust, who was one of the most dynamite play-by-play guys in the up-and-coming He's a guys, kid, you said, right? He's 33. Wow. He was uh, Westwood One's play-by-play guy for hockey for a while. Sure. And then he did some NESN Red Sox fill in a couple years oh, ago when, when their main guy, I forget his name off the top of their head, but their main TV guy, I think, took a few games off for whatever reasons, and Faust stepped in. Jack Edwards. Yes. A raging homer. The worst in the league. Uh, Faust is great. They cite Natural Stat Trick, the website I use to find all my analytics. Oh, I like that. I yeah. love that. FSN That'd be interesting. is somewhat dabbling into that. They used. I've I've seen some graphics where now they're starting to use it a little bit. Valley Sports um, North will. But they they mention shot attempts. They yep. don't mention shots on goal. They mention high danger situations. There isn't. I, look, they are team employees. So like they're employed by the team, and that I understand the rhetoric that they have to use, mm-hmm. but. At the end of the day, you can still be objective. It's why I like Jim Pete. It's why I do like Wes Walls. It's why I, I enjoy another perspective on the broadcast. It isn't the same guys over and over again regurgitating the same information. So um, outside that, that was the most interesting takeaway probably from a mostly boring hockey game. For oh, me. it was a very boring hockey uh, game. But there, there were some, there's some other things that I would like to get into too. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the the TV and he's longtime a TV analyst for the Ducks is Brian Hayward. Who was, right. who was a goaltender for the North Stars for oh. a short period of time, but he was a goalie, I think he for the Jets, and he played quite a while in the league, and he's been doing analysis, I think, of the Ducks for quite some time, sure. and I don't think he cares what he says as far as the team be, being mad, but you know what? You bring up a great point. 
If I ran Bally Sports North, I would have every analyst that I employ sit down and, and watch Jim Peep. Yeah. He gets it. Well, he gets it, and but he's great at bringing passion. Like, he wants the Wolves to win, yep. which is admirable. I have no problem with that. But he doesn't suffer fools. D'Angelo Russell makes that big shot. And, and Edwards, he he, he right. constantly goes back and forth on, that's a great play, that's a terrible. Ricky, you know, veteran, right? Yeah. He makes a dumb play, bang, Jim Pete's on that. But, <laughs> but the good thing is, if you're a Wolves fan, he doesn't do it destructively like, let's say, I would. He does it in a way that says, oh, I want the Wolves to win, yeah. but that's a terrible play, and here's why. Right. It's great stuff. And, mm-hmm. and his tutorials now, I learn something every time. Yes. Again, my main question is, when I tune into your telecast, am I? and I know a lot about the sport, but you know way more than I do, am I going to learn something? And I think that should be the main question for every fan. And when I turn into Wolves games, I can't tell you the last time that I walked away saying, I didn't learn a damn thing here. <laughs> So, um, oh, clear something up here. Sure. There was confusion last night. Okay. After the last goal that I believe you played at the open of the show, Marcus Foligno's goal. Yes. It was, it came exactly two minutes on the clock after the Wild went on a power play. Meaning that for a brief time, it was a power play goal. Four for 50. But then I saw that our guy Russo tweeted that after he talked to, I don't know if it was an in-arena official or someone at the league, they actually had gone back and reviewed the um, the seconds again. Yeah. Not a power play goal. Still a goal. Right. But not a power play goal. And the power play is now 3-4-50. And Dex, as you told me in a text last night, it's inexplicable. Like, yeah. there's nothing you can do to break down. I can't. They've tried everything. Uh, they they flipped the I think it was the second or third power play last night that the Wild had where they flipped and had the second unit start instead of the first one. Everything they try and nothing works. And here's the thing: Do you feel like because I do? Do you feel like it's it's looking and getting worse? Yeah. Like I like getting, like yes. I don't feel like they're closer. No. It, it's, it's not getting worse. I it's not like I watch that power play and say you know what. I sort of see it here. It's not mm-hmm. clicking, but um, but if not for this one play. But, Dex, I watched that thing again last night. I think it's regressing. Yeah, it's getting worse. Last night, um, all but four players had at least 25 seconds of power play time. <laughs> Nico Sturm and Ryan Hartman technically had one second of power play time, but Sturm, Hartman, Johansson... And Nick Bukestead were the only four players that did not get power play time last okay. night. And I think when Felino actually got that goal, I think he, he, he was he was coming on yes. for a new shift that was not a power play shift. Correct. He yes, he said that in the post game that it was something he got a little confused that why why am I going out there? And but he wasn't and a power play. Then didn't guy. realize that he was going to be on the power play. But Parisi four uh, five and a half minutes of power play time. Kalen Addison four and a half. Greenway four and a half. Dumba four and a half. Spurgeon Kaprizov Suter four and a half. Eck 436, Fiala 436, Zuccarello 415, Nick Benino got a minute and nine seconds. Yeah, you know Hernandez. why? You know why? Because they tried the Parisi trick with the second uh, the second group again. They tried the Parisi at, at center trick, and it didn't work. Right. And so they bailed and put Benino there because he's their only real guy that can win a faceoff. That's part of the problem here is they can't get control of the puck. No. Like no, that that's the problem. It's regressing because they can't get control. How many I mean, and there are so many moments where I just I, I would just close my eyes in, in disgust and 
and anger when it was a, it was on the far side and, and no one's there to pinch. No one's there to pinch. No one. It, it's go, it goes right back around. No one's on the half wall. No one's up to pinch. And I'm not going to pretend again to be a power play specialist like I was texting you last night. Like I, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and pretend and understand what goes in to a power play to be successful. Same reason why I'm not going to get on like what makes a goal line stand successful. I, I'm, I don't understand the X's and O's. That's a I'm big gonna, defense, right? I'm there. not going to hey. pretend. I know what it means to pull as a guard or push or whatever. You know, oh, I need I need I'll my guy Alex Boone to do that for me. But at the same time, yeah. there are so many like just little things that are just frustrating the hell out of me on it. And they're little, but they're big. Yeah, because they're so glaringly I, obvious and and problematic. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm for declining it and, and or making a new type of rule. Like you can't give them a shootout because every team would take or the penalty shot. You can't you can't do that. Like every team would take the penalty shot. I know sometimes in college there's an option for that for for certain penalties yeah. for situations you can take the penalty shot yeah. or the power play. No, I don't. I don't want a think that shot. can no happen. No more penalty shots. I'm sick of penalty shots. Um, Get rid of them. But I would do. I t- it's the idea. AJ Fredrickson too, our weekend producer and help and who helps us out on Score North. He said the same thing. Do 60 seconds of three on three. No, I saw that. Yeah, and no, I, I I think that's a little aggressive. So I would go 30, and then once that th- it doesn't matter if there's a jam, if there's a loose puck, the moment that buzzer ends, the whistle goes. But and how? That, but Dex, how do you have? Kaprizov and Fiala on your power play and look that bad. I just don't understand it. Well, that I just don't understand. I don't understand. Like it's if you just had all just schlubs out there who weren't good, I'd be like, okay, this stinks, but I sort of get it. Um, but you've got Fiala and Kaprizov, and at times what Dumba, who has a howitzer of a shot. Like you've got some some guys who should be highly skilled power play type guys, Mm -hmm. and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And and don't give me that that Felino goal was a nice goal. Yeah, no. But that was not a power that not, that was not part of the power, power play. play structure. Yeah, no, that wasn't. Don't give it me at all. that. Um yeah, it, it's brutal. It's bad. To be honest, you know, I, I eventually they're gonna figure something out. They'll they'll get a barrage of them, but I mean it's it's awful to watch, man. It's so frustrating. I mean, uh, but you know, there are other there were other good takeaways last night. Spurgeon came back and played nice. Spurgeon well. played nice. You know who else Man, played very solid. well? And he must have been listening to the podcast. Our boy Dino Evison, as you like to call him, Dino. Dino, yeah. Matt Zuccarello, very good game. Yeah, he very was engaged. solid game. One assist. Yeah. Engaged was moved up to the top line. Deserved to be on that top he line. He needs to be top six if he's going to play. Look, right now, you're right. The about contracts and albatross. We all can understand that. But at the same time, they need him to perform at a level that is expected of him to be like he was in New York. And he's got and he's got the ability to do it. And I think he does. Um, look, I thought a broken arm. I was like, man, that, that just that stinks because I was really looking forward to him bouncing back and resetting after a bad year. I cursed him last year after he started playing well, as you know. Wrote a nice piece on him. His toilet play went right in the toilet. Yeah. The kiss of death. He was playing pretty well before you jinxed him. Classic Declan Goff. Just one kiss and then boom, their life goes away. Yeah. Um, I just, Story here. I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm glad that he was able to to bounce back and play really well. And Kevin Fiala, he gets a dirty goal, a little greasy goal that isn't a flashy one. But, I want to talk about but, him, but there there is something about him, and we'll, we'll get into it right now. I think that when he plays angry, it's a good thing. He has played on on both sides now of the three game suspension that he took when he hit the uh, Kings player Roy at the X. Kevin Fiala's played really well. Yeah, and, and it was good to see him get. A greasy goal last night just to get a goal. But he had five shots. In my opinion, he is doing a lot of the things that you want him to do. And and eventually, if he continues down this path, the goals will come. Now, 
Let's go to the flip side of, of that. And I believe you brought this up on Judd's Hockey Show a couple days ago, and it's proving to be correct. Kaprizov needs to be more selfish still. Yes. Two shots last night. Fiala had five. Fiala and Kaprizov should consistently lead you in shots on goal. Like, I want you to take the puck and shoot. And I want you... uh, Your line, Kirill, just flat out, if I were to call Kirill Kaprizov in, I'm Dino, okay? Dino. Uh, And I would say, I don't want you to repeat this. Anybody seen Dino? (laughs) I don't want you to repeat this in the locker room, Kirill, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You are easily, it's not even close to the best player on the line that I put you on unless I put you with Kevin. Um, I need you to be selfish. I, do, I don't I do want you to worry. I'm I, My God, he was with Nick Bukestead last night, okay? Oh, Nick Bukestead, who the more I see him play, he just there, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Um, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Yes. But the reality is, I think that there needs to be a private discussion between the coach and Kaprizov, Declan, mm-hmm. just saying, I'm never going to get mad if you try and do too much because the guys that you're with, it's not like you're deferring to a good option. Sure. Unless unless it's in the third period and we're down by goal or two and I put you with Fiala, which would change that. Uh, I'm never going to get mad if you play a little bit more selfish than what you probably are used to doing or want to do. Yeah, he's going to have to start just playing just straight up. He has to start playing selfish. Um, right, uh, right now, he's only averaging one and a half, uh, 1.8 shots per game. I need that kid to shoot more. On the flip side, analytically, Kevin Fiala is having a dynamite season. Mm-hmm. I'll go in. I'll, let me get into this here. Mm-hmm. I saw this right before you started cool. bringing up Kaprizov. Perfect. His Corsi 4, 55%. That is pretty damn good. Um, it's where he was in Nashville. That's the mean. So he's he's out possessing. He's out shooting the puck when his when he's on the ice. His team is creating more shots than they're allowing. He's starting in the offensive zone sixty five percent of the time. That is by far a career high. Mm-hmm. He's averaging three point six shots per game. That's almost a shot and a half more than he's ever averaged in his career. His goal rate is up. His points rate is up. You can you can tell with the eyes and the analytics that this kid is feeling it mm-hmm. and. You could you knew that when he came back from that suspension, he was ready to go. Even before it, before the dirty play, which was a bad play by him, he admitted fault to it. He just he yeah, earned, unfortunately, earned that three game suspension. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but you could tell it he wanted to come back and be the player he was before the suspension. And this kid is damn special. It's gonna be. It's. I think it is gonna cause a interesting contract negotiation talk because Kevin's gonna. If I'm Kevin. I am holding the fort down. That no, you're going to pay me. And I know I'm what you're going to say. I'm not taking a bridge Garen. deal. I'm not taking a team friendly deal. <laughs> yep. I want four and six. I want four six per. I I wouldn't be surprised four at all six. if yes, if that is what he wants. And to be honest, it's going to be tough to make it work. But he is worth every damn penny. He has he is everything I wanted him to be. I, I'm still very glad that this was a good trade. Straight up from a Kale Granlin for Kevin Fiala because he's selfish. He's a dynamite player. He gets in front of the net. He has the talent. He can play the power play. I'm serious. Kevin Fiala is feeling it. I love to see it and keep playing angry. And if I'm him or his agent in contract negotiations, I would look Bill Guerin in the eye and say the one thing I don't <laughs> want I don't want to hear a thing about lack of production. When you couldn't give him a center, right? Like, don't. That's not his fault. No, it's it's anything. If anything, it's more impressive what there's, he's been able to do. There's not much that I see about Fiala's game of late, Dex, that I blame him. No, 
Kaprizov, I do. Like, I watch him and say, dude, you have to you have to be more selfish consistently. But I watch Fiala play, and it's frustrating because he lacks a person to facilitate for, for him. Hey, what name did you text me last night? The nickname that you've given Ryan Hartman. All reliable. I like this. I'm calling him all reliable. I like this. Um, he always seems to show up in situations that you need him to show up in. Or when, you're not, or when you're not even expecting him to show up in. Very solid. He always ends up creating good shorthanded goal opportunities. He always, he's always seems to be in the front of that. I, I'm always aggra- he, he aggressively kills penalties, and I love that. I, would on, I know we talked about getting a player on to talk about power plays and specialists and that. I would love to hear also a penalty killer who is actively trying to score shorthanded goals because Hartman always seems to find himself in that situation. And I, don't, and I don't think it's luck. I don't think it's Mm-mm. it's it's an anomaly. It is a skill that he he has. Mm-hmm. Now, Hartman was a former first-round pick, scored 19 goals with, with the Blackhawks playing with Patrick Kane um, four, four years ago. He's not that player. He's not going to score you 20 goals a game. If you surround him with Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, the best centers in the league, yeah, he's probably going to pop in close to 20, but he's not that guy here. Um He's another person that you're going to enter contract talks with that could get interesting. He's not going to break the bank necessarily. No, he's a third or fourth line guy. But that, if, that's the one. Don't be don't be tempted to give him more. Right. Like he's perfect what he's doing right now. But Fletcher was always notorious for giving out multi-year contracts to bottom six forwards, and I don't want to log jam more sure. of those situations. That being said, I want Ryan Hartman on this team. I think he's an important part of this team. I think I believe his role, he plays his role to perfection. What I don't want, our, our problem is with this team, we watch players, right? And we say, my God, they do not have a one or two center or even close, right? So then we start saying, what about Hartman? What about, start, right? I, I got a note. I got a tweet today saying, "Could they move Greenway? Uh, no, don't move Greenway. Greenway's a good wing. No, let's not start that Charlie Coyle dance of you're a center now, you're a wing now, you're a center I'm now, you're. Oh, um, they you they need to address this hole externally or from Rossi or a youngster who's not here right now. Ryan Hartman is perfect doing what." He is doing. And the day that you're like, you know what, you're playing so well, I'm going to put you on the first line full time, is the day that you put too much on his plate and you set him up to potentially fail, which I don't want. So I think what we should do is I think we should appreciate the the pieces of the puzzle that are fitting, but not then try and force those pieces into a role that would be too much and would give them um, an assignment that they probably could not fulfill. All right, last thing. Yeah. You saw yesterday. I saw yesterday. It's going to start again like a, like a whirlwind. It is, in fact, where's our – give, give me a little bit of yeah, reckless speculation. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Reckless speculation. Okay. Oh, I think I might know where you're going. Dateline Buffalo, New York. The Sabres are a mess. They were out just like the Wild for a long time with COVID. They've come back. They can't score a goal. Taylor Hall, uh, last time I checked, was stuck. I don't know if he scored last night. He was stuck at one goal. Uh, Jeff Skinner is now a a, a highly paid, highly paid fourth line guy uh, who can't get off that line. The last time I looked at their depth chart and uh, the rumblings again, starting for a second consecutive year that Jack Eichel is not happy in Buffalo. 
and that um, this could be – I don't think it would happen during the course of the 2021 season, Dex, but this could be the summer that Jack Eichel is traded by Buffalo because he basically throws up his hands and says what a guy like Carl Anthony Towns could say here, which is, I can't do this. Right. Okay. I Here's my opinion on the reckless speculation of Eichel to the wild, which is going to be discussed probably more and more intensively over the coming months because of this team's uh, need to find a true number one center. Yep. I don't see the package that the Wild could give to the Sabres that would compete with the teams like the Rangers and Kings who could send young talent and draft picks to Buffalo. Um, okay. Here's the issue. Buffalo, although under new general management, is typically really stupid. Like, I can see them screwing this trade up. Not to say that they'll sell low on Jack Eichel, because the kid is a phenomenal talent that any team would love to have as their captain mm-hmm. and as their forefront of, of a top-line center and all that noise. But Buffalo is is prone to doing something stupid. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to be in the, in the situation where... Um, you know, everyone's t- when you when you throw out reckless trades, when you throw out reckless trades, you're, you're throwing out, oh, let's just let's just give them bad players, and then we'll get their good player back. Like that's not how trades work. That's not how Jack and that's Eichel not how Jack works. Eichel trades work. Correct. Most importantly, right? Yes. Uh, um. So I, I I don't think the Wild can fleece them, but I do think it helps that Buffalo is typically dumb when it comes to this kind of thing. Now let's talk briefly the compensation that you could offer. The Wild have two first round picks. Mm. They have Matthew Boldy who was a top prospect. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Matt Dumba, who they've been actively shopping, but I don't think his his value on the market is not as high as we once thought it was. Yes, um, correct. I don't want to go down this path, but I did see his name get thrown around, including from Brother Liam. You could throw in Kevin Fiala. I wouldn't want to do that. No, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't say it's it's a it's a ironclad no, but it's a non-starter for me. Yeah, I you know. It's be, a non-starter. I'm with you. That'd be very tough for me. Um, So... I don't think I could do that. The only the only real package you could do mm-hmm. is two first round picks, which you have this year, mm-hmm. and probably Matthew Boldy. And is that still enough to no, get Jack Eichel? I think the Rangers are, and Kings immediately can beat you on that. That's my opinion. Okay, I think they can both be, beat you on that trade. The other thing with with Eichel behind the scenes that scares me is I've heard a lot of different things about him and how he is in the room and what he's like. Um, which you would have to be cognizant of. Like, you can't dismiss that. So you think his character, I think his character is, is questionable. In, I think his character is in question, yes. It, but it is, is that because of the situation he's in Buffalo? Well, that's, my, that's what you would need to make damn sure that you know exactly what that, that is before you pulled the trigger on that type of trade. And don't you think, too, that... That would concern me. And I'm going to guess, not just guess, I'm going to assume that Bill Guerin can probably read that character in, in Jack Eichel. I don't know. Oh, if yeah, and if met, you talk to enough, you know, people, you, know, you easily can find and out. He, he probably has a betting system, but I think Billy and that that this is the value of having Bill Guerin, I think, as a GM, is Billy knows what it takes to win. He knows what he it knows takes. People that can and tell, he yeah. knows Absolutely. what character means in the locker room. Mm-hmm. So if Guerin wants to go down that path of, you know, some so reckless speculation. So I'm all for it. Just to be clear, what would your offer be? So if you were Bill Guerin. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, Kaprizov, Fiala, untouchable. I can't trade them. But what would your what would your offer be if you were to call Buffalo and try and pry away Jack Eichel in, let's say, July? Starts as two first-round picks. 
Um, do you want to use both of the first round picks you have this year? Could you defer one? Could could you use one this year and then maybe your twenty twenty two? Probably depends on where your picks are. If, right. if Pittsburgh and your pick are good, they'd probably want both of those right now. If one is a late pick, you might be able to defer and do mm. one one of the picks, the best pick for twenty one, and then a pick for twenty two, a first round pick for twenty. So it's probably two first round picks. I think that's. I think that no. I think let, you're let's right. use that as a floor. Okay. It probably would have to include Matthew Boldy or Marco Rossi. Yes, I agree with that. Um, they're going to want a pro- they're going to want some type of prospect back. I mean, you could throw in Dumba, but do they also want Matt Dumba? And I don't know if they're de- is their defense. I, I feel like they've got some young defensemen. I'm not sure they need, and, and I don't know how they if they're right or left handed shots. I don't know if they're in need of a defenseman. That's right. But yeah, I feel like Dumba would be a throw in as opposed to the, um, they the could main use some, ingredient. They could use some defense. Okay. They could use some defense. Okay. So so two first round picks. I'm going to say Matthew Boldy. Boldy. I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh, but for the sake of the argument in the trade, sure. two first round picks, Matthew Boldy, and maybe Matt Dumba. Oh, play the sounder. Reckless speculation. All right. Okay. From the ice. To the theater. That's right, folks. Action Movie Rewind returns. And uh, this time, Mackie, Declan, and yours truly mm. did a hard breakdown. Oof. Breakdown. Break it. Break it, it down. Breakdown of Beverly Hills Cop 2. Here are the results. Golf USA's golf show sale is going on right now. 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. Used equipment 50% off. Golf USA has brought their amazing golf show deals back to the store for the biggest sale of the year. Inventory is limited, so get in early for the best selection. Over 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. All used equipment 50% off. Don't miss out. Head out right now to Golf USA's golf show sale. Golf USA in Eden Prairie at the corner of Prairie Center and Flying Cloud Drive. Drive. Movie reviews with Mac, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee Kaye, mother. Yeah. Hey, look, man, I'm a businessman, okay? I got to make moves. I'm moving, Cassie. You know? I'm moving all the time. Business, you know? If you can't have me, I go do something else because I'm business. I got to move all the time, okay? Excuse me. I got business to take care of. Don't have me standing around like a fool, man. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. She knew you were hard to live with when she married you. It's actually her fault for thinking you'd change. Thanks. Really have to admire her for having the courage to leave you and search for a better life. I'm sorry. I was trying to make you feel better. Do me a favor. Sure. Take a break from cheering me up, will you? And welcome in to Action Movie Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd Movie Review series that now includes rom-com Platform. rewind it's a it's a separate building and commercial entity altogether from Maggie and Judd. A lot of staff on this one. And this week's action movie Rewind is powered by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which recently launched My Shield. You think about risk management. There's a lot of, I see a lot of buildings, a lot of businesses that could use a little, more, a little bit more risk management in these action movies that we review. My Shield is the online client destination for risk management resources. How helpful would it be as a business owner if you had employee training at your fingertips and industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. That is where MyShield and Federated come in with trusted resources to give you peace of mind and to uh, make your business better. 
Get registered today at federatedinsurance.com. You can just click on My Shield or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lutz doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired. Yeah? Kiss my ass. Kiss mine. You're fired, too. Lutz. Isn't that right? I think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry. I get carried away. I'm sorry. You are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Get out of here. Fired. You'll regret this, Ted. I regret it now. I've regretted it for the last two months. You'll You'll regret this. You're out of here. Get out of here. Will you get out? Get out. Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm going to kick your ass later. (laughs) Beverly Hills Cop 2, 1987. Gentlemen, here's the summary. The hard-nosed Detroit cop from the original film returns to Los Angeles to help solve another case. This time, he must direct his efforts toward unraveling the alphabet crimes, a series of robberies committed by leather-jacketed punks. The investigation puts him on the trail of an illegal arms dealer and his hit lady. 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus says this on Rotten Tomatoes. Eddie Murphy remains appealing as the wisecracking Axel Foley, but Beverly Hills Cop 2 doesn't take him or the viewer anywhere new enough to justify a sequel. $27 million budget turned into $250 million at the box office starring Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinhold, John Ashton, and then you had Bridget Nielsen, a young Chris Rock, Hugh Hefner, and Gilbert Gottfried all Head rolls. Oh, yes. Young Gilbert Gottfried. Yep. And v- maybe even younger Chris Rock. Yep. And that is, this is early Chris Rock. Here. I got thoughts on that. You, you recognize who the female henchman was, too, right? Bridget Nielsen? Bridget yeah, from Rocky Four. Yeah, oh, Rocky she Four. was a 1980s Mrs. icon. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's in all kinds of stuff in that era. She was married to Sylvester Mark, Sloan for Mark a while. Mark Gaston at 1.2, right? Was she? Okay. I think she was married. Yeah. Flavor Flav. and the Sack Man were oh, married. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Flavor Flav? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. That was, they yes, made a, no, I knew They about. made a VH1 reality show out of her and Flavor Flav like 15 years ago or really? something. Really? Rock of Love. Or, uh, not Rock of Love. Um, dang it. Celebrity something? Yeah. Oh, Brigitte. Oh, Zill, great. Rock of Love's great, though. Yeah. Tall drink of water. All right, so we'll start with Judd Zilga. What was your key takeaway from Beverly Hills Cop 2? Let me see. Hold on. Let me find my notes. <clears throat> hard copy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the hard copy. Okay. This was the very definition of a 1980s film and completely running it back. This was the 2010 Vikings. <laughs> there was no thought given to what the future, what they, ba- I mean, they basically said, Beverly Hills Cop, that was a hit. What can we do? And somebody said nothing. That's the key thing. Okay. They completely lifted the blueprint from the first one. They threw in a few more people, i.e. Brigitte Nielsen, and they did nothing else with this whole thing. They did nothing. They didn't advance the storylines. They didn't advance the characters. In fact, if anything, they made the characters worse by trying to make them different. Um, But it was. It was the 2010 Vikings. It was. It was um, what. A six and ten disaster. Let's yeah. Let's get the band back together here. Let's get everything. All right. Um, I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> this movie was terrible. Yeah. 
This is one of the worst sequels <laughs> in cinematic history. Yeah. This movie, I mean, and by the way, good for them for like 10xing their budget on this movie. They got, I mean, they turned a $27 million budget into $250 million with absolute slop and crap. Mm-hmm. Now, if we ever get to the point, I don't think we will. Maybe we will in like a year. Beverly Hills Cop 3 takes place at like a valley fair. It takes place at like an amusement park. So they really jumped the shark and there's on the a third four one. that's still pending. Are you serious? Oh yes. My God. There's a four that is still has been in the works for years and is still potentially pending. That's amazing. I, I read this Rotten Tomatoes, this this sort of high-level summary, and I'll read it one more time here. The critics' consensus. We've done about 45, 50 of these now, these movies, going back. The, the first action movie rewind I think we did was like in late March last year. And so we're coming up on a, a one-year anniversary of Mackie and Jeb movie reviews. I have never agreed more with a critic's consensus than this. Wow. Eddie Murphy remains appealing as the wisecracking Axel Foley, but Beverly Hills Cop 2 doesn't take him or the viewer anywhere new enough to justify a sequel. Everything Judd said is 100% right. You brought back basically just the same themes, a verbally abusive, incompetent police chief who's wrong at every turn, right? Yep. You bring back Axel breaking laws, cutting corners, and sneaking away from the Detroit police. It's, it's the same plot. Yes. It is. It's the same plot, yes. or it's, it's the same sort of framework, exactly. making Billy and Rosewood do things they don't really want to do. It's all the same thing, but well, with just like a 50 times more confusing, weird, and nonsensical plot. What about my pension? <laughs> it's like, so that's my main takeaway, is that this movie was an absolute disaster. I mean, Jacqueline? It's, <laughs> it was. <laughs> You guys hit most of it. Um, it's it's a sequel. It's like I was your... so disappointed halfway through. I was like, "Man, like we're just." I think all three of us are just going to savage this movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, here it, we are. It, it's a sequel. There's cameos. There's ridiculousness. Um, it at first I was kind of intrigued. Honestly, the first twenty minutes, I was like, oh, okay. Yep. This actually seems okay. I, I it's yeah. just going to be like the first one. Agreed. Oh, and, Axel, uh, he's stopping a construction project. Yeah. He's going to go into this house. Like a credit fun. card fraud. You know, he's like he's he's being the typical swindler that he is. Um, and then the thing just like completely dragged on. Like the whole part of I recognize the clay in this shoe, and this is where he was at the like. It just it didn't make any sense. Like yeah. they were on the goose chase hunt. It was a bad film. It was a very bad film. All right. Well, what's your That's... favorite part, Judd Zolgad? <laughs> okay. We'll get to the next Let's one. Your favorite part of uh, Beverly Hills Cap 2. <laughs> you broached it. The cameo of a young Chris Rock as a valet yeah. at an actual, because they, they had so, so much of a budget to work with, an actual Hugh Hefner appearance party. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part. Hugh Hefner, my... not a great actor. No, no he's not. I, I think you guys should leave now. I don't know. I, I don't know any of you guys, but that was it. Like I saw Chris Rock, I'm like, that's a really young Chris Rock. This is, and and he was probably thrilled. He probably thought I get to act with Eddie Bleep and Murphy. This is going to be the highlight of my career, which didn't turn out to be the case. Um, but this film to me was broken down into, I guess, just a few things that I thought were amusing or intriguing. Um, surprisingly. I don't think I had seen any part of this film before. I don't remember coming across it on like TNT on a Saturday afternoon. I don't recall seeing a small part. Uh, but yeah, the Chris Rock cameo, sad as this might seem, was actually the highlight of the film to me. This was the second movie he was ever in. He was in a movie two years prior called Crush Groove. And, 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 and so he was credited in, in Beverly Hills Cop 2. He was credited as Parking Valet was the name of his character. 
in the first movie he was in, Crush Groove, he was credited as person standing next to club phone during fight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then he was in Miami Vice for an episode in 1987. Um, and then and then Chris Rock uh, made his way to SNL in 1990. I, I, mean, I think at, even at this point in the movie, I was like, I was distracted. I was like looking down at my phone. I wasn't paying attention. And then all of a sudden, I heard Chris Rock's voice. I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. And I got hooked back in for, and then what, he had maybe five lines, like not yeah. even that. No, not even that. Yeah, he like five words. or even Where am like, I supposed to practice? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was your favorite part too, Chris Rock? What was your favorite part, yeah, Declan? Yeah, uh, I think this probably was the same favorite part I had in the first one. But it was just like, it, it was just Eddie Murphy being the typical undercover cop. So like swindling as a credit card scammer. And it's a building inspector, a delivery guy, just his banter. And, like, I, I got to imagine a lot of that was improvised, too. Like, I got to imagine that's, like, classic Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Like, just turn on the mic and go. Okay, Eddie, so you're going to walk up to a construction site at this home, and you're just going to your, – your goal is to get everyone to leave. Go. Yeah. Hey, wait, hey, 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 what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Can I have your attention, please? Stop working. Dude, The fa- actually, the fact that this movie – is even at all watchable is a huge testament to how talented and funny and entertaining Eddie Murphy is, oh, yeah, right? Awesome. I mean, like, oh, I'm just going to watch Eddie Murphy play a fun character for two hours. Yes. That's right. pretty much what the movie is. So, yeah, that was probably my, that was a, uh, and, and the cameos. Yeah, G- Gilbert Gottfried made the cameo, hey. too, which was also hilarious. Gilbert Gottfried. Sure. Okay. Uh, so that was my favorite part. My, my favorite part of this movie, actually, we played the clip near the top of the show there, was the end of the movie where the mayor shows up. And now you got to... I get that the, the plot was convoluted, and we'll, and we'll get to that. But, like, this was this was an in-depth, murderous group of criminals mm-hmm. and, and a plot in terms of, like, what they had to untangle as a, as a police force that involved fraud, it involved theft, it involved murder, and it involved, like, heads of businesses that were involved. Like, it was all these different uh, high-level and, and just straight-up uh, felonies, right? And so the mayor comes in. You've got the police chief disagreeing with his with his cops, uh, Rosewood and Taggart. They're disagreeing on like what the crime was or what. No, I solved the alphabet crime. No, right. you weren't paying it to this. Right. And without any investigation, without any sort of digging or anything or questioning, the mayor just comes in and decides, um, "You're fired, and you're fired. You guys are both out of here. You're both fired." Here's the clip. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lutz doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired. Yeah? Kiss my ass. Kiss mine. You're fired, too. Lutz. Isn't that right? I think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry. I get carried away. I'm sorry. You are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Get out of here. Fired. You'll regret this, Ted. I regret it now. I've regretted it for the last two months. You'll regret this. You're out of here. Get out of here. Will you get out? Get out. Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm going to kick your ass later. And then right after that, the mayor thanks the, oh, thanks for undercover uh, copying your way to figuring out this case. We'll see you guys later. Okay. Peace out. I guess there's no one, we're not going to do any digging on what (laughs) happened Axel's going home to Detroit. It's going to be great. Cool. Good talk, everybody. All right. Your least favorite part of Beverly Hills Cop 2, Judd. You just played the character. Every scene involving police chief Harold Lutz yeah. was as cliched and late. First of all, the guy couldn't act. Okay, yeah. but let's put that aside, all right? 
The writing for this character was as lazy as you could possibly get. His one continuing line until the scene that you just played, Phil, was, You're on traffic duty! Now you're on traffic duty! Get back to your traffic duty! He... It, it's unbelievable. It, it was like... It was like they said, Okay, we're paying Murphy, Reinhold, a couple people beyond that. Uh, we're blowing some stuff up. We are out of budget. But what should we do for the rest of the characters? Get that guy at the deli to play the the role. It was unbelievable. Also, too, like in terms of the the traffic cop angle, it just didn't make sense. I get that it's, and they made reference to like, oh, we have new bosses and it's much more of a political environment here now. And so, but, but those guys also went undercover and cracked a huge case just a couple years earlier in the initial movie. Like, they should be regarded as, oh, these guys have a keen sense. Yep. If these guys smell something. They're detectives. Yep. The, these guys, should we should probably trust their instinct. And yep. all of a sudden, we just two years later, we just, we just don't trust these guys to sniff out a major crime case. They're yep. just traffic and, cops. And, it doesn't make sense. And plus, the end was, it sucked. The end was awful. <laughs> like, there was no thought given to... One, the explosions weren't that good. Two, the actual shootout scenes weren't good. And it just sort of ends. Like, it's like they're like, okay, you know what? This is the last day. Mail this in. We don't care. There was, like, no thought given to three or four steps I think to they, this film at all. I think they thought that the the Brigitte Nielsen goodbye Mr. Foley thing, I think they probably thought that that was the iconic moment, right? Right. She's pointed at the, she, you know, she's sitting there with her stylish outfit. And but even hair. that was sucked. You knew she was going to die. Yeah, and it was going to be Taggart. Let's get out. And his line is, "Women, women, <laughs> let's get out of here. Just kill them." Okay. I mean, like, what are you doing? Going to the bar? Let's yes. get out. You were just involved in a major shootout. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that combined. Also, too, on Chief the end. Lutz. So before Chief Lutz comes up and reams them and then gets fired himself, their strategy was. Oh, we're really in trouble now. Just don't say anything. Maybe no one like yeah, Billy. Don't, don't say Billy, anything. Just keep quiet, Billy. It's ridiculous. All right, Dex. What was your least favorite part of this? Movie? Uh, Harold Lutz was led 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 mine too, but also uh, no Lisa Eelbacher. I was smitten in the first one with her. I loved her. Which one? The main, the female lead in, in oh, the first one. Oh, his friend. No. I loved her. Sorry, yeah. She was great. She was she's. She hit all my 80s, 80s things that I like yep. in a woman, and she was, they just removed her. You wanted there the to film? be like a little arc story yeah. where she probably her and cost Axel, too she's much. pregnant and Axel's going to be a dad. They she probably cost she, too she much. She was worth it. She would have been worth too it in, in my budget. So uh, I, I didn't like that. Yeah, Harold Lutz stunk. Like it wasn't even just the fact his character was pretty hateable. His acting was awful. It was not good. The plot was extremely messy too. Um, but I would say with, with those two things, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could probably nitpick here, but those were my, at least my, no. my least favorite parts. So my least favorite part was just the weird, convoluted plot. Yeah. I mean, I get that I was mentally I was sort of zoning in and out, and I was I definitely was multi-screening with two basketball games last night. So, Trafficking I, guns, yeah. I will admit that I watched this movie. I've seen this movie before in pieces and kind of thought, oh, like, I can have a basketball game up while I watch this movie and stuff. And I realized about 30 minutes in, like, what's the Wait, did I miss something? What, like, what is the plot? So I'm going to read you guys the plot from Wikipedia as they explain the two the two different things that are happening here. And okay. you tell me if, if this makes any sense or All if this helps clarify. Mm-hmm. So the alphabet crimes, you saw them pass out for sure a couple, like an A and a B. There was a robbery out the top of the movie. And then Bogomil got shot up. And by the way, uh, Brigitte Nielsen 
is proven to be just a terrible shot in this movie. She has she has uh, Detective Bogomil point blank up against a car, pointed right at him, fires rounds right into his body, and he doesn't die. No, he's going to live. My dad's going to live. He doesn't die. And then we like never really hear from him the rest of the movie either. <laughs> he, he, right? Did he ever come back? Yes. At the very end. At the end. very he's, end. Okay, that's right. He is named that's right. the, the police, new yeah. police chief. But the best part is it's so clear that they shot all his scenes in one day. Yes. And then we also, she, you know, she was point blank with a machine gun and in that warehouse with Axel Foley toward the end of the movie. And, and Axel just rolls out of the way with his <laughs> he jeans. Just, he just dives. At one point, he dives and suspends himself in the air. And you're like, he gets shot for sure. And she still doesn't hit him. Yeah, she's like, oh, so she was a bad shot. But, oh, my God. So here's, here's the summary of, of the plot. The alphabet crimes, a series of mostly high-end store robberies distinguished by their monogrammed envelopes with an alphabetical sequence the assailants leave behind. Okay. All right. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to, like, figure out how everything is interconnected. So Axel has Bogomil's daughter, Jan, use her connections as an insurance agent to find out about Maxwell Dent's financial dealings. Dent is robbing his own businesses on purpose in order to finance firearms transactions with an arms dealer named Nikos. And is discreetly using Kane, who runs the firearms place, as the front man for his operations. Bogomil was shot because his investigation was on the correct track to crack this case. None of that makes any sense to me. I'm sorry. Like, I don't understand. Okay, so you didn't pay attention completely. So there, there's, a, a scene, there's a scene near the beginning where Axel calls Bogomil, or no, Bogomil calls Axel and cancels their fishing trip. And he's got the papers out that that are are clippings from from the paper about these crimes, mm-hmm. and so the insinuation is he's canceling because he is moving in on the crime, what's you know the trafficking of guns. So that's what that's supposed to show. But there are clearly scenes that they just cut that explain things. But why that make no sense? Then and I get I get <laughs> I get the part that Bogomil was on to it. But what I don't understand is okay, so. Your goal as an organized crime syndicate, of all the things you could be doing, mm-hmm. your goal is to, I'm assuming, is it steal firearms and then sell them, like Taggart said later in the movie, and sell them for 10 times as much in Colombia or whatever? Like, that's what they were doing? They're moving them, yes. I don't know how exactly. That's, yes. I don't know, man. Yes. Super also, weird. what was up with that indoor gun range in general? Like, I, it, it was just a piece of, like... It didn't look like a gun range. Like I've been to a gun range. It's been a long time. It was nice, but it was like a like a movie projecting screen. Because even then, when Axel pulls out his gun, and like shoots three of like bullets yeah. through the screen. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like thousands of dollars in damage that he just oh, did. Oh, he to did that major place. damage, and they didn't. So care. like then, but okay, like and and I don't know guns that well, but like he has some type of little revolver there. Everyone else has like assault rifles. They don't puncture, but the red the thing. No, they're um, are they bad? Are they weird bullets? Yes. Like they're special. Got it. I just thought the whole. Gun range. I was like, I don't understand That's why what the hell's red. going on here. Okay, interesting. I just got my two guns. I don't worry about. But they clearly <laughs> cut. But they clearly cut out a, a bunch of stuff that didn't explain things. Right. Then. Yeah. So, so the the guy who was buying the guns, um, who is shown a lot, but I think has no lines, is a guy who was in CSI, I believe. He's been in a, a ton of stuff. Um, he clearly had scenes that got cut. Okay. Because he just sort of is around, but he never has a line. And it turns out that he he was like a linchpin to the actual 
selling of the guns? They never really explain that. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they didn't care. It's possible they cut 20 or 30 minutes out of this thing and were like, oh, this drags. We, this let's just was, get to the action parts. Or even the strip club part. Like, was that necessary? Like, I know they do it in the first one, and that's probably yeah, why. It was I, just an homage to the first one. I thought the same that thing. That scene was completely unnecessary. Here's Hugh Hefner, by the way, the Playboy Mansion part. Are we having a problem here? Hef! Hugh Hefner! Axel Foley! I'm sorry, I feel like I know you already, because you know how many times I've put your magazine up and forget about it, it's not important, but I, I just want to give you some background on some of your guests here. This is Thermopolis, he's into guns and drugs, Hugh Hefner, and this is Max, and Max kills cops for a living! Well, I don't know him, or you. I think it's time that uh, all of you left. I happen to be a major contributor to this, and we appreciate it. Goodbye. Goodbye. He appreciates it, Max, but take your ass home. You outdone, you're welcome. Stay too long, but it's been real, it's been nice. Everybody, party's over. Max it up for everybody, so let's just go home. <laughs> Who are these party poopers? Like, you go to these... Playboy Mansion parties, what day and they're of the just week like is this too? criminals like Max. <laughs> but is this like a Wednesday? It's a Wednesday at the Playboy. Like Mansion, I don't man. like when's this party? <laughs> no, do they have parties? And the, just on random Wednesdays? Yeah, I got I got a lot of questions. Assuming so, uh, this is Gilbert Gottfried's party. Um, um, I'm quite sure, man. Your position understands that. Uh, my contact down at headquarters wouldn't want his name to be known. Don't I know it? Right. Don't so could, I know could it? Could you excuse me for a second <laughs> while I? Uh huh. Oh, you gotta yes, yeah. yeah it's it's secret. It's like a James Bond thing. Exactly. Sure. Yes, so yes, you... yes. Thank you. No problem. Hey, no problem at all. Anything you want to use? Can't believe. What I don't want to hear it, Billy. Oh, I'm gonna lose my pension, Billy. Yeah. Um, underrated favorite part of this movie actually on the Playboy party <laughs> when they walk in and Axel gives a pep talk to his manhood. Oh yeah. Look alive out there, boys. He, like, taps <laughs> himself. We, we waited our whole you'll, lives you'll for this. You'll never be here again. I like how Rosewood and, and what's his name also grabbed beers. Like, they just, like, they didn't care. They just cracked a beer. They're like, oh, we're going to enjoy this party. Yep, yep. All right, what was the least believable part of Beverly Hills <laughs> Cap 2? Okay. Here's mine. Clearly having become bored with car chases, mm-hmm. Rosewood commandeers a dump truck from who knows where and proceeds to cause dukes of hazard like chaos okay it it was and the dump truck thing it wasn't even funny it wasn't even funny and and then he parks it at the mansion uh and that's when chris rock comes in as the valet like they were so out of ideas and and every time basically in the back half of that film that Rosewood drove a vehicle. He was mysteriously like driving on sidewalks and stuff. Like the car was spinning out and he'd be driving and there was no really good point of why. No reason why. That to me, they were just so bored and it was like they kept saying, well, let's throw this in. He'll he'll take out some, uh, he'll take out a fire hydrant. It'll be funny. Yeah. He'll drive on a sidewalk for no reason. So the dump truck and the whole driving thing, to me, it didn't track at all. It didn't make any sense. I think people were just, in general, more easily entertained by things in the 80s and, and 90s. There just wasn't as many things people. to be. They rob people of their money for this movie. Although I say that now, it's like we're easily entertained by like dumb TikTok videos. Right. Right? Was for 20 minutes yesterday in bed, I was watching TikTok videos. Yeah. <laughs> I did not do anything. I literally went like this, and I was like, oh, my God, it's almost midnight. I got to go to bed. But you know what, Dex? You didn't pay to do it. People uh, yeah. paid to see this film. I paid $10 a month for WWE Network, so, I mean, you can make a case. Yeah, but you enjoy that. I do enjoy that. 
but people would be very confused anyway, why I do that. What was the least believable thing for you in this movie? Yeah. It was the opening scene of the uh, jewelry heist, per se. And so they, like, they threaten everyone. They don't kill anyone in that, in that jewelry center. But at the same time, everyone makes it out alive. I'm pretty sure you'd be able to identify who that person was, the woman who was orchestrating this whole thing. Maybe not all the robbers, because there was a lot of them, with, and I think they had their classic ski masks on or they whatnot. Yes. But she didn't, right? She, I think she was normal. I think she had an open face on. I don't think she had a disguise. And then also, as she leaves, she just shoots down a chandelier with an assault rifle, can just puncture a chandelier and just drop it. I just thought the whole opening scene was completely ridiculous. Yeah. I'll add to what Dex said. I think the idea, and this is all due respect to Brigitte Nielsen, but the idea that someone so glamorous and horrible at shooting guns can right. be like the lead henchman for this Maxwell Dent, uh, you got to have a goon, man. Like you got to have you got to have someone who can good bad. If, if Axel Foley is rolling around in a wide open, you know, warehouse space, yeah. That you can take a machine gun and saw him in half. Okay, I don't. I don't need this gal. No, nope. just give me a sharpshooter. I don't Not care if it's a man left, or a baby. woman. Doesn't matter. Got to be a goon. Um, okay, I have for you guys real quick here a couple things. Production notes and also this movie, as terrible as it was, I started thinking about other things besides the movie that would be fun to talk about. I have my own Mount Rushmore of SNL actors. Like once they left SNL and then started doing their own movies at the peak of their movie career. This is my Mount Rushmore. Are okay. you ready for this? Actually, we should probably do uh, a segment within a segment here. We don't. We, we so haven't he, done and, Mount Rushmore. And, and in a these while. are actors that left SNL and were and were better for it. Like what? What they le- so they left SNL and then and then became movie stars, maybe even above and beyond their SNL careers. Okay. Right. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore sports talker of the week with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. All right, pour one out for Rami. We'll, uh, we'll get him on again sometime. Here's my four. Yep. Eddie Murphy. Okay. Will Ferrell. He's jumped the shark a little bit in the last 10 years, but yeah, Will but Ferrell at his peak. And... Yep. Yeah. Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Tina mm. Fey is like right there, but I don't think Tina Fey Kristen is Wick in my close? four. Kristen Wiig is, is in the mix. So I'm going, I'm going Eddie Murphy, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, and Chris Farley. Ooh. Would you guys take issue with any of those? Does Belushi? It doesn't for me, but it might for you. I mean. Because I was born in the mid-80s. And so he didn't I, live a real long time, but he did some fun stuff. Chris Farley, kind of the, kind of the same deal there. Yeah. Well, and. Blues Brothers. I feel like, was, was Farley's peak, though, SNL? I feel like Farley's peak was Tommy Boy. And, w- and he was gone from SNL by then when Tommy Boy was out? I thought- Black Sheep, Tommy Boy. Right. I, know, I know the era. I thought maybe he was still around, but maybe he wasn't. Spade yeah. make SNL. it? Spade doesn't make it for me. I, I think Spade's peak was SNL, and yeah, his agree. stuff afterwards was never as I mean, I love David Spade, but um, no, I don't think Because you look like him. Because I am him. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know I that did. you're him. He's really rich, but you do look like <laughs> him, Dex. Yeah. So that's the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Production notes. Paramount Pictures had planned a television series based on the first film. Yeah. Eddie Murphy turned down the television series, which is funny because that's probably, they would probably do like a Netflix, you know, whoops, flinging my, my pen all over the place. Um, they'd probably do like a Netflix thing or something like Cobra Kai, right? So he turned down the TV series, but he was willing to do a sequel movie. So producers of the movie, including Jerry Bruckheimer, 
hired Tony Scott to direct due to his success with the 1986 blockbuster film Top Gun. So Tony Scott goes from Top Gun to Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. What what happened? Well, I mean, he made bank off of it. It, no, was, it I know. was a box office but, success. I mean, clearly he didn't care about what he produced. The film was originally to be set and filmed in London and Paris. This However, is, yes. the script was rewritten after Eddie Murphy expressed a reluctance to film outside of the United States. Yes. It's hmm. interesting. To me, to me, that is probably why they said screw it. We'll just do the same movie. Exactly. Just, yeah, that's fine. They probably just said, you know what? We've got a bankable superstar, right? Yep. Bleep it. Let's just have him be Eddie Murphy for an hour and a half. That's yep. fine. Just just go out there, do your Eddie Murphy thing. Yep. And speaking of that, Eddie Murphy's salary to star in the movie was $8 million. The cost of the entire movie was 27 look at So they paid Eddie Murphy like a third of their entire budget to be the star Which of Which is why thing. your friend, Declan Goff, was not back. Yeah, probably. They probably couldn't I afford her. Makes sense, yeah. It's unfortunate, yeah. though. So, so what was those are your production notes. That's interesting. I was going to look here what what he also made for Forty Eight Hours too, because um, I thought I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was uh, dude eight million dollars oh, in the eighties was a lot of that's money. a lot of dough. Murphy was was paid for the original for Forty Eight Hours. He was paid two hundred thousand bucks. Okay, okay, that's all. When they filmed another Forty Eight Hours. His fee was twelve million up front, <laughs> plus a percentage of the gross. Yeah, wow, that's what happens. You reach that level, and which explains why shot. eventually you would probably say, "Yeah, I'll do the film. Don't yeah. expect me to put a lot of heart and soul into it." Yep. All right, definitive bad guy rankings here, and the criteria is how iconic are they, how ruthless are they, this and is, how charismatic are they? It's not going to be good. And I think, I mean, the bad guy. Brigitte Nielsen was the sidekick. Max Dent is the bad guy. Yeah, he's the main bad guy. He doesn't awful. So the top bad guys we reviewed are the Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, yep. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. Those are the top seven. The bottom seven or so, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, Cullen from Kindergarten Cop, the Asteroid from Armageddon, and Parrot from Tango and Cash. The absolute middle of these rankings is Hertz from Shoot 'em Up, Colonel Stewart and General Esperanza from Die Hard 2, Lord Humongous from Mad Max 2, and Molaram from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to scroll toward the bottom for this one, right? Oh, you could yeah. put it dead last. I think you could, too. There's, wow. no, there's nothing iconic. He doesn't really do anything. He, yeah, it, it's all He's not he's, memorable. He's not no. charismatic. He's not good. Let's start from the bottom and work up, okay? Yep. The incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3. The muggers from Death Wish. Below. Uh, I didn't see Death Wish. He's, yeah, I think he's dead last. He's, he's dead awful. Last. I hated Rambo 3, and at least they were like, there, there's some iconicness because it's Rambo. Yeah. No, this th- this was just nothing. This no- was awful. This was just nothing. Yeah. Yep. It's last, man. And that brings us to the 1 through 10 composite rating here. So the best movies we've reviewed in Action Movie Rewind, the only three 10s we've given out across the board are Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween, followed by Taken at 9.5, John Wick, Commando, and the original Beverly Hills Cop, all a 9 or above. At the bottom of this list... <laughs> The worst movies we have reviewed are Demolition Man, 
kindergarten cop and shoot him up all at 2.8 or 2.7. Bloodsport is a 3 and Mad Max 2 is a 3.7. Smack dab in the middle of our rankings, Code of Silence, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon, and Casino Royale. So one through ten, we'll start with Judd Zolgad. Can I start by saying too that that this film did one thing that drove me crazy? Back to the bad guy, absolutely drove me nuts. So when somebody is when they introduce the bad guy, right, and somebody is in his office talking to him, they do the whole thing where the camera is shooting him turned around in his chair, which led me to believe since I hadn't seen this film previously. Oh, my God, it must be a famous person. Like, it's going to turn around and be, I don't know, Charlton Heston or something, right? Yeah, Jack Palance. Yeah, exactly. And then the guy slowly (laughs) wheels around, and it's this schlep. Schlep. Like, but seriously. Yeah. No, you're right. I was like, oh, cool, they've got a famous person, and they didn't. Um, (laughs) So this film actually meets criteria to to what we ordinarily enjoy because it's so bad. But here's my problem. You have to give an effort to get a grade from me. Like, you have to, you might suck, but you tried different things, or you actually, you tried, but you, this gets a one. Like, it it was awful, and they didn't do any work. Like, you can't, this, the script for this film literally hit the side of the building because they threw it at the studio as they drove by. Holy cow. They mailed this in beyond belief. Good for you. And I'm not going to be sucked into grading this as, like, it's fun to talk about, but I wouldn't give this film the time of day, given given the fact that they actually had stars, they, they had production people who were big names, and they did nothing. Yeah, it gets a one. Declan, honestly, when I first watched, when we finished Locks, I like to do an instant reaction, and then I like to sleep on it. I, I like I like to make sure that I'm 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 making the right decision. <laughs> I originally had three. I originally had a three. And that was mostly a heavy three for just Eddie Murphy being the greatness that he is. But this movie is so bad, and the plot is awful, and the more I talk this out, it's a one. It is a one. It is one. It's downgrading two more points. It's a one out of ten. It's bad. All right. So I I generally like to – I like to just pick a number and stick with it when I do this. And I picked a number last night. And I, I'm going to stick with it right now. It's a one. Oh my god! Three ones across the board. Yeah, it's fair. And I'll and, and I'll say that it's by far the the worst. We've we've had the highest or the lowest scores to this point are two point eight, two point eight, two point seven. This is a one. This is the worst movie. I suppose we could give it a zero, but like this is the only one we've had. I was actually mad after I got done watching this movie. Yeah, me too. I was like, I was upset. That felt like a total waste of an opportunity. To create a great sequel, and a lot of people figured this out, I'm sure, right after they spent their 10 bucks or whatever, 5 bucks in 1987 at the movie theater. Yeah. But I haven't, I've been annoyed by some of our movies, like, oh, that wasn't as good as I remember it, or, oh, that wasn't, uh, or whatever. But, like, I've never been actually just disappointed in a movie like I was in Beverly Hills Cop 2. It just wasn't good. So it's a one. It is the worst movie we have ever reviewed. Congratulations. Of the 44 in action movie reels. Zero effort given. Yeah. And so with that, it's probably a good time to announce 
Not the going away <laughs> the of. The franchise is retiring. <laughs> but the hiatus of Action Movie Rewind temporarily. All right, we're going to go on a temporary this hiatus. Ca- this has caused you to be so disgusted <laughs> that you're done with AMR for now. There's a pause That's in the season, favorite. just like with sports. That's we're, my favorite. We're pausing. Yep, we've done, listen, we've, this, is, this was the not COVID. This was the 44th action movie that we have reviewed going back almost a year. So we've, we've done some work, man. Some of the most iconic movies. There's still some left on the board for sure. And we'll definitely get back to Action Movie Rewind. Okay. But last week, we debuted our first ever rom-com rewind, and it was a hit. Listen, it I know a lot, a, hit. a lot of you told us to turn in our man cards. It was a hoot. You know what? Ironically, oh, I'm fine with that. I turned my man card in when I saw How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days twice in the theaters back in it's 2002. A good, it, don't apologize. It's, good. Okay. it's a good movie. Yeah, I don't get to explain that. And so we're going to go on a run here. I don't know how many weeks, but we're going to go on a little run here of rom-com rewinds every Friday on Mackie and Judd. Love it. You guys down for it? Yes. Oh, rom-coms are great. Oh, I can't wait. Absolutely. Okay. I'm passionate about this yeah. genre. Sources tell me they'll like this too. So we've got a, we've got a list of, of various movies here. I want to throw two of them out for potential Options for next week. Sure. I think we can just collaborate here with with the early list here. I want to throw out Hitch, okay. and some of these are coming from from listeners too. Okay, and I want to throw out the American President with right. Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. So and Michael J. Fox. Okay. Well, I feel like the American President, even though I haven't seen it, but when we talked about it about yesterday or whatever it is, I feel like it's a isn't it a nice kind of blend too between like a drama. And a, it's not like a cheese. It, it, it's not cheesy. It's like if West Wing right. was a rom com, right? I and we should do it for sure, whether it's yeah. next week or at some. Point. I feel, I feel like if we are gonna truly dive in yep. to the going. genre of rom coms, that we should do Hitch. Right. Yes, Will Smith. Because like one of if, my all time favorite. Well, movies. and if we're gonna Me do too. this, let's do it. Yeah. Like. Like, if people think, Let's do this, this yeah. is like, you're losing your man card, Zolgad. you damn okay, right. But then I'm going to just give it up. Right. Like, I'm not going to be like, but this is sort of an action <laughs> film. Yeah. Forgive me. Sometimes, no. Sometimes you got to ask the question, are we doing this? We're are doing we, this, Are we doing it. this? I think we go. Are we blurring the lines? What are we doing? I here? think we go rom-com. Hitch it is. Hitch. Next week. Alexander right. Hitchens, Alex man. Hitchens. Let's do it. It's a good movie. Alex, Alex Hitchens. And, Kevin and James. Albert Brenneman. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Albert Brenneman. Kevin James at his zenith, right? Yeah, I mean. Because like now he's in a TV show or something again, or like a Netflix show. But The zenith of mustard stains on pants as well no in this movie. No one who had less game yep. than Albert Brenneman. Nobody lost and gained weight like Kevin James. Oh, God. I, I'm, this is awesome. He's skinny Kevin James. I might watch this Kevin twice. James. I might just watch it twice. Great. By the way, it's probably on TBS this week. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. All almost, right. almost always on I TBS. Lo- you know what? Let's clean the palate. All right. We're going to clean the palette from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Action movie rewind. You're on timeout because of what just happened with Beverly Hills Cop 2. Rom-com rewind. Actually, can we just do a full episode of Judd singing a cappella? Hey, look, man, I'm a businessman, okay? I got to make moves. I'm moving constantly. I'm moving all the time. Business, you know? If you can't help me, I go do something else because I'm business. I got to move all the time, okay? Excuse me. I got business to take care of. Don't have me standing around like a fool, man. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. 
Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.